dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. This week, we asked one of our Patreon supporters, Amy Pavi, from the excellent podcast 12 Chimes It's Midnight, to recommend a ghost story. After some careful consideration, she suggested Good Ghost from Quiet Please. Quiet Please debuted on the Mutual Broadcasting Network on June 8, 1947. In September 1948, the series switched to ABC and remained there until its final broadcast on June 25, 1949. In total, 106 episodes were made, every one of them written by the show's creator, Willis Cooper. Quiet Please is often categorized as horror, probably due to Cooper's roots in the genre, but as the author of a May 1949 article from Writer's Digest points out, there's no formula or pattern to Quiet Please other than that it is always narrated in the first person by Ernest Chappell and has an eerie, slow-paced mood. Sometimes it's macabre, sometimes hilarious, but always entertaining. Until now, we've only listened to Cooper's darker tales, horror classics like Whence Came You and The Thing on the Forbo Board. Amy's suggestion gives us the opportunity to finally hear one of Cooper's more comedic tales. So what are we waiting for? Here is Good Ghost from Quiet Please, originally broadcast October 24th, 1948. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music, and listen to the voices. Quiet, please. Quiet, please. Broadcasting Company presents Quiet Please, which is written and directed by Willis Cooper and which features Ernest Chappell. Quiet Please for today is called Good Ghost. I never did anything wrong in my life. That's why I was so upset when Schuster murdered me. I'm just standing there minding my own business and Schuster, he pulls out this cannon and he points it at me and it goes boom and I say ouch and I'm lying there. And he walks away down Lake Street towards Michigan Avenue. Yeah, right there on the corner of Lake and Wabash at a quarter after one in the morning. Ouch, I said, and I just laid there. After a while, I got up and I walked away. I was all mixed up. I guess I didn't realize I was dead because I walked over to Randolph Street. I started up the elevated steps, but something stopped me, something like a rope or something across the bottom of the stair steps and I couldn't get up. So I looked around to see what it was and there was nothing. There was a voice speaking kind of in my ear. You can't go up there, God. That's what the voice said. And there wasn't anybody there. I looked. Well, all right, I said to myself, there's more than one way this can get. So I walked over to State Street and I started down the subway stairs. You know what? 
didn't go down there either. There was this same voice whispering in my ear. Go down there, Gus. Well, I said, where am I going to go? But I didn't hear any answer to that. So I put one foot in front of the other, and you know what I did? I walked. And for the first time in my life, for the first time, my feet didn't hurt. So that's one consolation I said being a ghost, your feet won't hurt. Well, I was bewildered, see? I walk and I walk and I walk, and pretty soon, it's about 5 o'clock in the morning, and I'm out in Logan Square. And I said to myself, why, shoot, you live down here someplace, don't he? And I am in Schuster's house. See, I was a pretty new, inexperienced ghost then. Gosh, if I'd have known, I wouldn't have had to walk all the way out to Logan Square. I could have flew or whatever it is I do. But I've learned now. I'll tell you about it. Well, like I said, there I am in Schuster's house. Well, you didn't know Schuster, did you? He was laying there, sound asleep on the bed, and he was a pretty good-looking fella in a kind of fat way. He was laying there, snoring. He had his hand hanging over the edge of the bed, and I, I never thought I just went over and I took hold of his hand, and I said, Hey, Schuster. Uh, Schuster. Hey, Schuster. Uh, yeah, yeah. Schuster, wake up. Uh, who's that? Wake up, Schuster. It's me. No! Who's that? Well, well gee whiz, Schuster. Bad enough to murder a guy. You have to scare the life out of him? Somebody had hold of my hand. It was me. A cold hand. It was me, I told you. Who's that? It's me, Schuster. That's the hand? It's God. God, God, God. You awake now? You get away from me. You're dead. Yeah, I know it. I didn't mean to wake you up so violent. I'm asleep. I'm dreaming. No, honest, you. I'm sorry. I'm hearing things. Oh, why did I knock him off? Hey. Huh? Why did you knock me off? Is that really you guys? Sure. Did you come to haunt me? No, not especially. I was just wondering, why did you shoot me? Uh, uh, I'm going to turn on the light. There ain't nobody here. Uh-huh. I had a nightmare. There. You see, you chump. There ain't nobody here. I'm here. It was a nightmare. Uh-uh. Gus, uh, I hear you. Sure. What do you want? I told you. Why did you kill me? Will you go away if I tell you? Well... It was on a kind of Ada. Ada? Yeah, Ada. Will you go away now and leave me? Schuster. Huh? Schuster, is your intentions towards Ada honorable? Oh, why, why sure, guys. Hmm. Will you go away now? Move over, Schuster. I want to do a little thinking. and he shriveled all up in a knot and I thought and thought. He kept shivering and thinking of dead and so pretty soon I went to sleep. And when I awoke, Schuster was gone. So I got to thinking about Ada. Ada was I sure did like Ada. Ada always wore hair and a pompadour and her hair was so black and her eyebrows looked cute. 
And look, I didn't want to do nothing. All I wanted to do was help Ada. Sure, what if he does shoot me? That's over. I gotta help Ada. Heck, I love Ada, see? A couple of nights later, I seen him get in his car. I run, I got in alongside him, and I figure, this is fine. We're all alone in the car. And then I begin to worry. If I say something while we're driving, he'll probably wreck the car. So I wait till we're stopped by the light of diversity in Lincoln Park. We're standing still. What can happen? So I put my hand on top of his on the gear shift, and I say, Hey, Schuster. Bam, crash, jingle, bounce. He takes his foot off in the clutch, and we're through a high iron fence, and the car is upside down, and Schuster has got a sprained ankle. She whiz, I said, I'm a heck of a ghost. But he's laying there, and I think this is a good time to talk to him before the ambulance comes. He can't move. But he causes me up. He faints. <laughs> and while she's laid up with his ankle all bandaged up, Ada comes and sees him. And the way she puts her arms around him and kisses him, I says, this is no place for me. So I come away again. I, I couldn't take it. But that only made it worse. I should talk to him and see what I can do for Ada and him. So after a while, he's well, and I see him and Ada every once in a while, and they, well, he treated her like, she was the way I wished I could have treated her. And she ended up. Well, one night, Schuster goes into a movie. I saw the movie before. You got a lot of time on your hands when you're a ghost. Usually, you can get the movie free. I followed him inside, and while he was running the sign on the screen, it said, next week, hollow triumph, I lean over close to him, and I say, Schuster, she whizzed, he went up like a balloon. People was hollering, and he was hollering, and the ushers coming, the cops, and they drug him away. You know what the upshot of that was? He kept hollering to the cops that he was haunted, and they thought he was touched in the head, and they put him in a wagon, and they took him out to psychopathic for observation. Man, I sure made a mess out of things, didn't I? And all I'm trying to do is be a good guy, a good ghost, I mean. So, come evening out the psychopathic, I go. Boy, what a place. And I hunt high and low for Schuster till it's about 2 o'clock. Then I hear a kind of guard that I think is familiar, and I go through a little door, and, oh, boy, there he is in a straitjacket. Well, for pity's sake, Schuster, I said. Well, Schuster, stop it. I ain't going to hurt you. Schuster, listen to me. Schuster, don't you bust something. Now, listen, Schuster. Listen to me. I ain't mad. Nah, Schuster, I ain't mad at all. I want you to kill me. What? Kill me. Kill you. Yeah, kill me. Nah, Schuster, all I want to do is help you. No, no Schuster, somebody will hear you. Look, I, I'm only allowed to kill one person, see, Schuster? No, you ain't allowed to kill the fella that killed you, see? I can only knock off one fella, and he has to be a bad fella. Well, I know you're kind of bad, but you can't be all bad, Schuster. I'll say they wouldn't love you. Does Ada love you? Yeah. And do you love her? Mm. Yeah, that's what I thought. Don't kill me. What? Please. Listen, I said I wasn't going to kill you. I just want to help you. 
Mm-hmm. A ghost can do lots of things, Schuster. Mm-hmm. You need money, Schuster? Mm-hmm. You're broke? Yeah. Well, you can't marry Ada without money. Yeah. I'll get you the money. Yeah. I'm not kidding. Only will you promise to marry Ada as soon as you get the money? Yeah. Well, I said it's okay then, and I reached over and patted him on the forehead, and he heaved himself up, and the gag came out of his mouth. Let me out of here! So I have to start all over again, I see. Stuff the thing back in his books, and all he can say is ergo-ergo, and I lay it all out to him again. He was bound and determined I was going to knock him off. He must have had a guilty conscience or something. But it was daylight when I finally sold him a bill of goods. Look, I kept saying, it's Ada I'm thinking of. I want Ada to be happy. I have to help you if I'm going to help Ada, can't you see? And it was, like I said, broad daylight when I took the gag away from him again, and I was all ready to put it back, but... Okay, guys, okay, I, I believe you. You've got to believe me. But you got to remember, if you hurt me, you'll be hurting Ada, guys. I know it, Schuster. Why else would I go to all this trouble? He- heck, Schuster, I love Ada. And he just looked at me funny, and I said, Okay, I'll meet you at Rolos next Wednesday night. And I come away. I don't suppose you ever been there, huh? Gambling joints. I used to go there once in a while when I was alive. Pick up a couple of dollars shooting craps or something. Schuster goes there a lot, too. I'm standing by the wheel when Schuster comes in. I'm just standing there. And, of course, Schuster can't see me when he comes up. He stood there looking a minute and... Rolo, give him a hello. Hello, Schuster. Hi, Rolo. Get your bets down, gents. Schuster, you gonna play? Seventeen. What'd you say? I said you're gonna play. Get your money down. I said seventeen. Uh, five on seventeen. Our bets down. That's all, gents. And I left the spin a minute. And I put my finger on the seventeen and I stopped her. Seventeen. Here you are, Schuster. Get your bets down, gents. Four. Four. A hundred dollars. A hundred dollars. Oh, pleasure, huh, Spin the wheel. Up that down. Round and round she goes, and where she stops, nobody knows. The heck nobody knows. I know. She stops on four. Four. Well, nice going, Schuster. Yeah, it is nice, ain't it? Eleven, Schuster. Uh, Eleven. Five hundred dollars. Take it easy, Schuster. Spin the wheel. That was an awful short spin, Rollo. Real basic about it. Stopped on four, didn't it? Hey, Schuster. What? Ain't she got enough? Enough to marry Ada. You win three times. Oh, come on, Gus. Let's not quit yet. Okay. Thirteen. Thirteen. A thousand bucks. At half past four in the morning, Rollo declared that the bank was busted. Schuster took every dime in the joint. Took, well, Schuster was need a help. And he went out of that place with money sticking out of every pocket in his hat. Hey, Schuster, I said. Well, Gus, you're terrific. I'm set for life. Uh, you ain't set for life, Schuster, I said. Not yet, Shane. What do you mean? You forgot about Ada. Ada? Oh, Oh, uh, Ada. Yeah, this dough is to get married on Schuster, remember? 
Well, what do you know? <laughs> Pretty near forgot about Ada. <laughs> Can you imagine that? <laughs>
And I'm glad even the Schuster is getting to be kind of a pain in the neck. Uh, ever think about the stock market, guys? No. Oh, that's where a guy could really clean up. Or lose his shirt. <laughs> Not with my little mascot, my little palsy wealthy. Who's that? <laughs> you. Me? Sure. Well, I, I don't know. Oh, my gosh, you can do anything. Well, uh, Ada wants to go to Mexico for the summer. Wow. Oh, boy, a million dollars. Let's, let's get another million. An another million? What for the city say? Why, for Ada, guys. Her birthday's tomorrow. Boy, you know what? I forgot that. I used to buy her a box of the mess candy or when I had the money Fanny made. And now I forgot her birthday. Gee whiz. Well, first I went over to LaSalle Street and I went up to the stock exchange and I sent consolidated something up 81 points. And then I said to myself, I just gotta see Ada on her birthday and see how happy she is. Gee, you mean cold and a new automobile. I bet it's a Rolls Royce. The house in Lake Forest. No, she's in Mexico, I thought. But, but I'll say happy birthday in Mexican, even if she won't hear it. And so... She wasn't in Mexico. I looked all over Lake Forest, and there wasn't any Schuster living there. Robo! Robo! 
dead, Schuster. Put him out of here. No. Look at that knife in his back, Schuster. That's my knife. Got your name on it. I didn't do it. I know you didn't. But they'll think you did. Who? Who will think so? Ed Ott, the big guy, Sam Howell, the guy with the brass nuts, Ralph, the guy that bites people. I didn't do it, guys. No, I done it, Schuster. You? Sure. Remember, I told you I was allowed to knock off one guy. One bad guy. Solo was an awful bad guy, sure. So are you, for that matter. Them guys liked Rollo an awful lot, sure. What they'll do to a guy they think killed him. The door's locked from the outside, Schuster. The door's locked. The tough boys are coming. Can you pray, Schuster? Not to me, Schuster. So long, lad. And I walked out just as the tough guys, the bodyguard of the dead man, started hammering on the door. I could still hear Schuster crying and moaning in there. And you know what? Out there in the big room, there was a set of stairs I'd never seen before. I started up the stair steps, and there wasn't anybody to stop me. And I climbed up and up and up, and the stairway went right on up ahead of me. And there was somebody at the top. Black pompadour, shining eyes. What? I'm not such a bad ghost after all. Am I? Today's Quiet Please story is Good Ghost. It's written and directed by Willis Cooper. The man who spoke to you was Ernest Chappell. And Murray Forbes was Schuster. Ada was Ruth Lass. And Rollo was played by Arthur Cole. As usual, music for Quiet Please is by Albert Berman. Now, for a word about next week, here is our letter director, my good friend Willis Cooper. Thank you for listening to Quiet Please. For next week, I have a story for you. It's called Calling All Souls. And so until next week at the same time, I am quietly yours, Ernest Chappell. And now, a listening reminder. The war against organized rackets makes for exciting, dramatic entertainment. And you can enjoy it every Sunday afternoon over your ABC station when David Harding, counter-spy, becomes involved in another daring adventure with the underworld. Don't miss this afternoon's story. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. That was Quiet, Please, in the episode The Good Ghost. 
here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. And this is October, and we are celebrating our lead up to Halloween with ghost stories all month long. And that was a ghost story recommendation from a listener and fellow podcaster, Amy Pavi, from Mm -hmm. 12 Chimes to Midnight. It's Midnight. It's Midnight, right. 12 Chimes to Midnight is something else, isn't it? Isn't that a thing? No? Uh, I think that's the way we mess up the title of our podcast. (laughs) That's the thing. (laughs) All right. Thank you for uh, the suggestion, Amy. Thanks for listening. I'll be honest with you. I do this, and I can't even fathom having time to listen to someone else's podcast. (laughs) Uh, that's miraculous to me. I have way too much going on to even listen to this one. Uh, Why would you? Well, I don't. I don't read our reviews or the <laughs> iTunes things. I don't know how to Thank get online. Thank you for all that work you've been doing. I don't know what's going on. I listen to these. Listeners, Eric hates you. He doesn't believe you exist. <laughs> I don't. I think this is all a ruse by you guys. I just listen to the old-time radio shows and talk to you guys about them. And then you come back and tell me, ah, we got Wait, uh, we're Patreon. now? Patreon. Yeah, Patreon. Good. <laughs> I can just barely get in the law and orders that I watch. So anyway, thank you for listening. I'm really impressed that you do one and listen to one. So this is her suggestion. I'll be honest, it's hard. I know that it's a different approach it's not horror. It's not typical Willis Cooper. Uh, In well, many, it, many ways, it's it typical is, Willis but Cooper. But it's not typical Mysterious Soul Radio Listening Society podcast material. Yeah, it's ma- not the material. Quiet Please reputation. Yes, it's not the ones that I love. It's then you don't different. really love Quiet Please. <laughs> oh. You only love a part of Quiet Please. It's hard with something that jumps around that much. To... You're not a real fan. <laughs> wow, this, this yeah. really turned on Eric. <laughs> I guess I really I like this. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> it's Tim hard is to eating listen popcorn, to. listeners. You can't see him, but he's just he's leaned back in his chair and he's like, "Go to it, guys. Keep talking." I, I have to look at it through different lenses. You know, you have yeah. to approach it differently. And when you do that, I think that it is a very fun and interesting story. I think it does get a little horror-y at the end when he mm-hmm. kills him, but the aloofness of the ghost goes on for a long time. This kind of story, it is a little tough of this really sympathetic, sad sack main character. Even in death and the guy that killed him. It's a lot to trust. Do you know what I mean? That that's happening. It's a lot to believe in. That even in death, faced with the guy, knowing that he's a ghost and can do all sorts of things, with the guy that killed him, that he's still that guy. That he doesn't mm. turn and go, oh, wait a minute. I could really mess with your life. And he, he does mess with his yeah. life, but not on purpose. Well, let's back up a little bit here. Okay. Um, <laughs> as always with Willis Cooper, the guy yeah. can write an opening line to a story. I never did anything wrong in my life. That's why I was so upset when Schuster murdered me. That's just a brilliant opening to the story for many reasons. On one level, it's just a quirky comic line feels odd and it hooks you in but also compressed into that is pretty much the entire story in those two lines yeah Uh, everything you need to know yep gus is a good guy but he's also naive he views murder as a punishment for doing wrong Uh, the fact that he sees himself as a good person foreshadows his willingness to help schuster woo his own sweetheart at the same time his belief in murder as a punishment foreshadows his eventual murder of schuster in retaliation for doing his girl wrong. Like I said, it's just 
perfect. I think that's an impressive <laughs> ability of Willis Cooper's. It's not just this story, but it's almost in every single well, I, one. I can't remember the exact wording, but just from there, like, and the gun went bang, I said, ow, and that was... Yeah, it was like, <laughs> boom, and ouch, and I was dead, essentially. <laughs> I love the opening to this. I love how fast we're in, and I also love how the first, I don't know how long it was, six minutes, it was kind of a parody of film noir. With the music that was playing, the piano was playing. The music was so good throughout. And then phrases like, I said, ouch, and then I was dead. You know, like, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of well, that. That's 1948. That's yeah, but it's, the it's era. really making fun of it in a way. You know, it feels like the language is so dead on that he might be poking a little fun mm-hmm. at that oh, detective yeah. language. I really enjoy this and primarily for Ernest Chappell. His performance in this is just not only such a contrast to everything I know him for, but it's engaging and entertaining. And I love this character, even though like he's just, uh, I called him a sad sack earlier. I can't think of a better term. He's just mm-hmm. the patsy for every moment of yeah. this. But, uh, and if it's, we've often talked about in Quiet Please, this line between plausible and ridiculous. And it always stays on just this side of... I want to be with this character because I like him and mm-hmm. I'm not like, I want to ditch this guy because he's a sucker. With comedy, though, I don't know that I, as a listener, approach it like, oh, do I believe this? I mean, yes, there has to be truth in comedy, but to me, there's also riffs going on here, right? I mean, what I love about it is it opens being one story, right? It's an incompetent ghost. Yeah. And that's funny that he doesn't really hold any grudges and he's a little, <laughs> like you said, sad sack. But then it escalates to this other area once we find out that there's a romantic interest that initiated this murder. To me, that turns this whole story on its head and it becomes Cyrano. He's basically, instead of having a ugly nose, he's dead. <laughs> but, you know, but he's essentially yeah. uh, helping this guy woo the girl that's really for him. It also reminded me of the Corinthians wedding verse that everyone uses. Love is patient, love is kind. Oh, yeah, yeah. Does not envy, it does not boast. Because he goes out of his way to say it's not because I like Schuster. Right, yeah. All this is for her and I believe that that's not most people but i believe in that kind of love so in that way i believe it if it was just like i forgive you schuster yeah that would have been old right i think he has the question of what are your intentions he said that's fine so i believed him and yeah that justifies and every time schuster comes back asking for more money gus is skeptical until schuster goes well it's for for eva yeah Yeah. and then he's like all right um and yes it's comical and over the top because it's comedy and it's exaggerated but i I went along with it means so much is it horrific or ridiculous it's for me the challenge was do i find this character so easily manipulated that i don't want to spend time with this character anymore that i I just feel bad being with him and i never did gotcha but that seemed like the risk of this story Mm mm-hmm and I think it's intentional on Cooper's part because he lulls you into this false sense of security. And then once he finds out that Ada had been done wrong by Schuster, mm-hmm. then it's just, yeah, you're dead. Right. How does he describe him? There's one guy with the brass knuckles and Ralph who bites. I mean, it's, kind of, it's, like, it's like you are going to die slowly and awfully. Yep. It's like this long wind-up to this really vicious ending. And that's where that typical Willis Cooper twist comes in for me is is it lulls you into this sense that it's going one direction and it goes 
the exact opposite. Maybe you, you think, oh, he's going to eventually catch on, but I did not anticipate, given the comedic nature of it, just how brutal he would be at the end. How much of this is intended to be a straightforward comedy, and how much of it is intended to be a story that has comedic moments? I, I took I, this as like a morality play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's almost like a kid's story. It's pretty straightforward morals. It's pretty straightforward who you root for. Mm-hmm. There's room for comedy. There's room for the little bit of horror, the little bit of thrill at the end. But it's not meant to be deep commentary about anything comedic. It's not meant to be terribly suspenseful. It's not a sketch. You know, it's not a mm-hmm. full-on comedy. It's, it's like a modern fairy tale. Yeah, it's yeah, got it's, comedic moments. It's comedic, and I think of comedy in a, a broad sense of mm-hmm. not that it's trying to elicit a laugh every 60 seconds. It's not a sitcom. No, it's a light-hearted tale, but he still is then playing with the listener mm-hmm. in a way that I am very familiar with Willis Cooper doing, and I really mm-hmm. admired that. I think part of it made me think about that fine line between comedy and horror. And yep. What I found fascinating is that Wow, Ernest Chappell has the same approach to comedy that he has in horror. Mm-hmm. And I think part of the problem is his approach to horror might stand the test of time more or appeal to broader tastes than his approach to comedy, even though it's exactly the same. He has this very muted, understated approach to comedy. He performs this like he would perform Forbeboard. It's very natural. It's very, there's, there's a little over the topness in his performance, but it's. Chapel's. Yeah. yeah. There is the issue that Chapel's performance is kind of in a different show than um, the guy. Mm-hmm. He's kind of a cartoon character. I like that a lot, <laughs> particularly because of the brutal end. But I love contrast. Like, yeah. I love things to be intentionally set apart. So he's this sort of lovable Damon Runyon rascal until you found out he has left this girl alone mm. in an apartment to die of deprivation. And then he's left to be brutally murdered at the end. Mm. And I think that contrast is intentional, whether it works for you or not. I need to confess, say... Uh... One of those instances where my theater of the mind goes wrong <laughs> or because they kept describing this woman as having this pompadour that I was just imagining like an Elvis Presley sort of like <laughs> that she's some rockabilly girl <laughs> with like a poodle skirt the whole yeah, time. Like yeah. even when she's down on her luck and has the gray in her hair that it's still the same poodle skirt <laughs> just with some little worn out. That's, that's how it was in my head. Me too. <laughs> I pictured her as Elvis. Huge eyebrows. <laughs> Have you seen Elvis' eyebrows, though? Seriously. This is a very difficult thing for me because I I get you like it. I just struggled with it because it is so different from the horror that Willis Cooper writes and the quiet pleas that he writes that I love. If I have a choice of what I want to listen to and someone says, Willis Cooper's got this lighthearted, comedic-esque tale. Nope. I'm not interested. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I wouldn't pick it. But don't you find it fascinating that it's every element from his horror stories only applied to comedy? It's not like he writes it in a drastically different way. For for the sake of conversation, for the sake of conversation, I think it's absolutely fascinating. I think it's really cool to delve into and talk like we are now. But doesn't mean listening to it was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And like I said, it was just the same beat over and over again. Oh, see, to me, it had variation because it starts with this gag of, oh, it's a guy who's bad at haunting. 
and he just keeps terrorizing this guy who he there's just that. wants to talk to. So there's that irony. I guess I meant from that point on. And then you find on. out that there's a girl involved, and then you find out, oh, he's willing to actually help them, and it goes to this Cyrano level, mm-hmm. and then he gets them married, and you think it's over, and then we have this whole third tier of the ghost who can get all this money point, and riches. Though, I'm trying to talk to this guy, and he freaks out. I'm trying to talk to this guy, and he wrecks mm-hmm. a car, and I'm trying to talk to this guy, and he mm-hmm. gets institutionalized, and then... All right, I'm talking to the guy. Now he wants some help with gambling. Now he wants some more help with the lottery. Now he w- yeah. Yes, that's what I'm getting at. And then mm-hmm. I think there is a payoff of, for the weight that the guy finally gets his. You said something that, that he was lovable. I, I didn't, Schuster? Yeah. I mean, he was played like that, like uh, something yeah, out of right. Guys and Dolls. But you knew like, he was bad. Hey, I'm kind of a Did shyster, you, and right. I like gambling, and I like dolls. <laughs> well, it felt like, Damon Runyon-esque And I to like me. dolls. He's, he's, <laughs> when he first sees him in bed, and he's asleep, and he's, oh, he <laughs> describes him as just fat. He's a pretty good-looking fella in a kind of fat way. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> But so at least Gus is passive aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> Even if he's not going to haunt the guy. I guess it's maybe the payoff for me. It is just how cold-blooded he is at the end. The actor who plays Schuster switches from this over-the-top performance to a guy that I believe is literally begging for That's his true. life. That performance was... And Gus's coldness when he's like, can you pray, Schuster? Not to me. <laughs> I mean, that is like... Mm-hmm. The big question of when he first dies, I can't go up these stairs. I can't go down yeah. to the subway. And apparently this is what he needed to do. He just needed to get this guy killed. I liked that a lot. The whisper oh, yeah. to him. And oh, you yeah. can't go down there. You can't go up there. And I was kind of hoping that would be the gist of what we were about to watch or listen to. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed... 30 minutes of a guy whispering to a ghost. <laughs> And that's different than 30 minutes of a guy trying to do the same thing over and over again. the horse race for you? Here's, <laughs> I'm giving right. you a hard time. No, I know. Right? Here's the question, It's my though. job on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Did you not see it coming that he was going to, uh, he wasn't married to her or he wasn't taking care of her or he was using her and that, that this was eventually going to be uncovered? You're supposed to know. Right. You're like, like Tim so, said, like, come on, guy. In, get to it. <laughs> so in order for that to work, mm-hmm. I have to be invested. Mm-hmm. And I'm not invested because I'm waiting so long for that. And what's happening in the meantime isn't that interesting to me. Uh, we did a Fear on 4 a few weeks ago where we talked about how we knew mm-hmm. the ending was coming. Mm-hmm. But it didn't bother me because of how it was produced and how I was involved in the story. That's my deal is... Not only did I know it was coming, but I didn't want to go through that same scenario over and over again. One of each of those would have been fine. I scared mm-hmm. you. You're in an asylum. Mm-hmm. I'll give you money. Marry her. But now we're talking about a 10-minute piece. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's fair. But, I mean, again, I think it comes down to whether you think the payoff is worth it. I think it is the flip. That's like on that Fear and Four, I felt like knowing it, the payoff was not satisfying. Right. Here... I knew this payoff was coming, that he was going to have to change his ghostly ways, but I did not anticipate because of the tone of the rest for it to be quite as bloodthirsty as it was. And then I was like, oh. See, for me, that all that is why I think of this story in terms of like fairy tale, morality tale, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of those structures of yeah. every point that gets made needs to be made with three examples of it. There's one other thing I want to comment on because 
this is the part that made me laugh out loud, and maybe I'm alone again. I'm used to being alone at this point. <laughs> but the weird straitjacket that clearly was somehow a, somehow a gag of yeah. some kind, that was hilarious. His muted, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like the, the various e- escalations, and then when he, yeah, when Gus starts talking about money, and he gets more and more greedy and interested, but just through this muffled. Straight jackets used laugh. to have a thing over the mouth. I couldn't. I don't know. I'd have to Google straight jackets. He may have been, which I didn't you want a straight jacket and gagged. You don't want to Google straight jackets because if anybody sees that history, <laughs> all I wanted to point out is the comic performance there yeah. was really it was strong. Hilarious. That made me laugh. I, I agree. Uh, Go ahead and tell us it's a classic. I don't even think it's a classic. I think well, I think it's a great story that stands the test of time. Uh, it's going to come down to your taste. It's slightly off the beaten path, and it's quirky. Yeah. Um, and I've heard some other of the lighter comedic ones, and this is one of my favorites of this style of story. I will agree with you. I think it's a fun story. <laughs> I think that my problem is that I wanted to hear Quiet Please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no? The other kind. And I think that if, for example... When I have my choice of old-time radio, which mm-hmm. in the last three years is never because we get this stupid podcast, so I can't just <laughs> sit down and pick something. But if I have my choice, I'm not throwing in Fibber McGee and Molly. Yeah. I wouldn't pick this style because it wouldn't satisfy me. So I have to just go, okay, this is what it is. It's like being dragged to a theater show of a friend that isn't really aimed at you, but your friend's in it. Like everything you guys have ever been in. <laughs> yeah. I, it's just not my deal. But for what it is, I think it's really good. Mm-hmm. It's just not interesting to me. Well, I think this opens a whole other discussion that we won't start now here at the voting process of this podcast. <laughs> However, uh, one of the other ideas I had for an old-time radio podcast was a comedy one specifically because right. I don't think comedy as easily stands the test of time. Comedy no. is so much more of its place in time. So mm-hmm. I think it makes sense that the comedic side of Quiet Please might not be as accessible to modern audiences as the horror. I think it's fascinating the difference between those two. Um, and it, it's more Absolutely. of a jump to take with this than with a thing on the Florida board or Whence Came You or Northern Lights or Beezer Cellar or all the ones that we've listened to and loved up and down. But as a, a Cooper aficionado, there's so much still in here that yeah. is beautifully written. Fantastic. It's fun for my vote. Uh, it's really hard because in some ways... I would say it doesn't stand the test of time because there's just, they don't tell stories like this anymore. There's not a modern sort of place to compare this to. Or, um, mm-hmm. But it is an excellently well done story. I don't know how I used that adverb right, but I'm going to pretend <laughs> that I did. It's a really good story. Your opinion story. has just been invalidated by <laughs> your <laughs> adverb. Um, <laughs> it's really well done, and uh, the style is just so atypical for a modern audience mm-hmm. uh, that it, you have to make a little bit of a jump to to think about it, to talk about it, and to enjoy it. If I were just sitting and listening, like you said, I don't know that I would want to hear two or three in this style in a row the same way I'd like to hear two or three in a row of thinking the horrible board or things like that. So I have to make the jump to say it's really good, but I have to make the jump to do that. I agree. <laughs> That's what I was trying to say, but not as eloquently. I just said, I don't get it. 
If you say things like excellently, excellently, that works. Yeah, I just want to throw this out there about comedy not standing the test of time. My mother was talking one night about how hard they laughed at I Love Lucy, and she was recalling the memories of that show being on television and, and them not being able to breathe. And it was new to the internet age at that time, and I pulled up I Love Lucy on YouTube. And I said, look, you can watch it right now. You know, here it is. And she said, oh, great. I haven't seen this in 40 years or whatever. About 10 minutes in, my mother said, what the hell were we laughing at? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's unfair. I do think I Love Lucy, half of it stands the test of time. The physical comedy, again, physical, it's universal in the way some elements of horror are universal. But still amazing. transcends time. Coming from the person that adored yeah. it, just her progression and experiences which is how i feel about happy days what was i laughing at there's no redeeming quality to that show <laughs> any show with a laugh track now oh yeah that's stuff hard. i used to find hilarious now i hear a laugh track and like speaking of go back and watch the two or three hogan's heroes they did without a laugh track it probably feels like a foreign film Fantastic. or like a bad softcore porn <laughs> <laughs> don't say that in a bob crane anything right. wow no, they're fantastic. Amy, I'm so sorry. I'm we, so, we have fallen off the rails. Hogan's Heroes without the laugh track <laughs> is funnier. <laughs> I am telling you right now, everybody trust me, because right. you're not being told to laugh. All right, Tim, speaking of telling them stuff. <laughs> Please go visit ghoulishdelights.com. You'll find other episodes of the podcast there. You'll find different ways to get a hold of us. We also have a links page, which is where you can find information about Amy's podcast, 12 Chimes It's Midnight. You can get a link from our website to theirs. Also, you'll find information on our webpage about our live shows. Uh, you can also vote in polls to let us know what you think about the episodes you listen to. And just send us a message by any means you choose. And you can also go to patreon.com slash themorals and support this podcast. Uh, we really appreciate that. We've got all sorts of member rewards. Go check it all out. Write us an iTunes review. Just do everything we want you to do, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> and sorry for bugging you every week. I'm feeling kind of bad about it <laughs> but you know it's been a week so they forget yeah you're right you forgot all right uh this is uh continuing our october halloween uh, ghost stories month coming up next uh this is your pick joshua yep and it's for halloween week we'll see if we can land it right on halloween uh i'm not gonna commit to well, when this comes out but it is the Shadow, The Three Ghosts, originally aired on Halloween 81 freaking years ago. Nice. <laughs> Until then. Look out! I want, I want to kill him! What? 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 This missed.